Amen, amen. Uh, well, guys, um, the book of Obadiah is a, 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 an interesting one, to say the least. So it's the shortest book in the Old Testament. It's only 21 verses, right? It's only 21 verses. So on all of our slides, when I throw up Scripture, it'll say, you know, chapter 1, verse whatever. That's just because I didn't know what else to do. Like, it's just one chapter, and so here we go. Um, and it, it's an interesting book um, because it's a judgment prophecy. So God is, is saying, hey, judgment's going to come specifically upon the nation of Edom. And you may go, Who, who's the nation of Edom? Well, the Edomites, the nation of Edom, uh, lived south of the Dead Sea. So you kind of think about where Jerusalem was and then the Dead Sea. And then south of the Dead Sea was this whole nation of Edom. And they lived in constant conflict with the Israelites. And there's a reason for that. It's because they, they have a shared history that is difficult, uh, right? So, so here kind of is the breakdown. You guys remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Everybody remember that? Right? So, right, I mean, you have Abraham and you have the promised one Isaac, and then from Isaac come Jacob and Esau. And so, you remember, like, one day uh, Esau's out hunting and he's so, he's starving, and so he sells his birthright for a bowl of stew, which is dumb. Uh, but then later, um, later, as, as Isaac is, is blind and, and kind of getting old, um, Jacob kind of schemes with Rachel and he steals his brother's blessing. You guys remember this? Okay. Uh, Esau's so mad he wants to kill him, uh, so Jacob takes off, runs for his life. Uh, he eventually there is going to get married a couple of times. Uh, family's going to grow. Uh, God's going to bless him and prosper him as he begins to change and, and kind of turn his life and, and focus on the Lord. Uh, he comes back, and, and so uh, they, they appear to mend their relationship, but it, it doesn't really, it's, it's never, ever really mended. Uh, and so you have this sibling rivalry that leads to some grave consequence. And ultimately, uh, what it leads to is this nation of Edom um, not, not having a brotherly love for Israel. And so when, when God conquers uh, Israel uh, via Babylon and sends them into exile as an act of discipline, the Edomites, instead of praying for their brothers and sisters, instead of caring for their brothers and sisters, uh, the Bible says they, they actually boasted uh, they, were, they, were, they were happy that that was happening to them. And even beyond that, then they went into Israel and they looted the cities, right? They looted the cities. That's not, that's not something that, that siblings are supposed to do for one another. So that's what I want to talk to you about is everything going on in the book of Obadiah, why it happens, um, kind of some insight. I feel like the Lord's given me this week as, as to some inner workings of why that might work. So four things to share with you. I have to fly this morning. I'm just going to be honest. And so here's the, the first point, and, uh, and most of our four points are going to uh, wrap around the subject of pride. But the first thing I want you to know is that pride is deceptive. That pride is deceptive, okay? Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you what that means in a second. I'll explain that to you in, in a minute. Uh, but, but first, I kind of want you to see uh, why this judgment is coming according to the Lord. So verse 3 God says that he's going to judge Edom, and he says, this is why. He says, your arrogant heart has deceived you, right? So your arrogant heart has deceived you. This is, this is kind of the beginning of God's declaration against them, is, is your arrogant heart has deceived you. Other translation says your prideful heart has deceived you, and so that's why we're saying pride is deceptive. And kind of here's what that arrogant heart led to, that prideful heart led to. In verse 12 and 13, this is how Edom looked upon Israel. Uh, God is speaking to them. He says, don't, be, uh, don't gloat over your brother in the day of his calamity. 
Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in their day of destruction. Do not boastfully mock in the day of distress. Do not enter my people's city gates in the day of their disaster. Yes, you do not gloat over their misery in the day of their disaster and do not appropriate their possessions in the day of their disaster. And so again, what happens is Israel is invaded uh, by the Babylonians and Edom... uh, Instead of praying for them, instead of coming to their aid, uh, they sit back, they watch, they gloat, they say, ha ha, they're getting what they deserve. And ultimately, they actually enter the city, uh, they, they enter the land, and, and they begin to take plunder for themselves, right? And, and, and God is angry. And God is angry because God has blessed the nation of Edom. God, God blessed Esau in spite of him missing out on the blessing that his brother stole and, and, and grew them into a great nation themselves. God has given them everything that they needed. Yet there's always been this underlying, uh, most biblical scholars would tell you, um, almost universally agree that Edom believed themselves to be superior to Israel. They believed themselves to be superior to Israel. And you say, well, why, why is that? Why, why is that? Well, we kind of got to work back through that relationship with Jacob and Esau, right? Because Esau was his father's favorite, right? We, we know this. Esau was his father's favorite. And Jacob stole that blessing ultimately. He stole it, right? And so Esau always felt cheated. He always felt like, like listen, I, I have always been uh, cheated out of this. And that hurt was amplified over time. And, and we'll talk about that in a second. And so I just kind of want you to think through this. Now, now listen, Esau was the victim, right? He was the victim. Uh, his brother stole something from him. But over time, that hurt when it's not dealt with, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Over time, that hurt when it's not dealt with, when it's not identified. Even when you think, nope, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm okay. Uh, time will eat away at that. And we have an enemy that's real. His name's the devil. And he's going to poke and prod at those undealt with things in our life. And so we see this thing grow in Esau. This thing grow in Esau. This hurt is multiplied. It's amplified in Esau. And, and so, listen, when I say pride is deceptive, what I'm telling you is Esau thought himself to be the victim. But ultimately, he went from uh, being cheated by his brother, okay? So cheated by, I deserve better. I was the favorite, right? I'm better than Esau. I was, I was dad's favorite. I'm the one that deserves all of this. You see, how that, that's like two, three steps from where you began. And that's how pride works. Many of us walk in this room this morning and you, you go, man, I'm not prideful at all, right? In fact, I'm the victim. People have done wrong to me. And I'm telling you, man, you are two or three steps away from going, well, and I deserve better. I deserve better. And that's, that's how pride began to work its way into the kingdom of Edom. So that's the first thing I want you to see. It, it's like the biggest declaration of the book is, is it like pride is deceptive. Edom is prideful. God's going to judge him. The second thing, now we're going to take a little bit of a detour. We have to do it here though because I feel like it just needs to be addressed. And so a uh, second thing I want you to see, guys, that unresolved conflict can have lasting consequences. Right? Unresolved conflict can have lasting uh, consequences, right? And so, uh, again, I, I want to take you kind of back to the story of Jacob and Esau. And so, uh, Jacob flees for his life after stealing his brother's blessing from his father. And he flees for his life, and then, uh, right, he meets his wives. Uh, it was supposed to be one, remember, he kind of gets tricked. And so, uh, comes back with wives, comes back with children, comes back, uh, I mean, all of, these, all of these animals that the Lord is blessing with. So, he comes back with this, like, massive group of possessions, and he's like, I've got to make things right uh, with my brother. He wrestles 
wrestles with God before he crosses over. He sends before him all these caravans uh, that he says are basically gifts to appease his brother. And then finally, he himself crosses over. He's going to meet his brother. His brother's riding out with basically an army. And, uh, and so Esau sees Jacob... And, 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 and Jacob's like falling, like, forgive me, I'm terrible, I'm sorry, like all this kind of stuff. And Esau's like, no, we're good, man. Look how God's blessed me. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And here's what I'm going to say to you. I think in that moment, Esau probably meant that. Okay? I think in that moment, he, he kind of meant that. The problem with that is what Esau is doing is what you and I do, because we typically don't like conflict. So he's repressing it. He's kind of ignoring, nope, nope, I'm fine. Like, it's fine. Look what God's done for me. I'm fine, right? Okay? Like, I'm, I'm fine. Okay, and, and here's where this is a, a problem, is, is unfortunately, um, we have an enemy that is very real and very good at getting into our heads. And he will take the hurt that we've experienced and he will pick at it and pick at it and pick at it until it festers up into something grave. Something that can affect not just us, but our kids and our kids' kids. And so, so you say, Pastor, well, what's the answer then? Well, I think Scripture lays out the answer. Ephesians 4, 25 through 27. By the way, um, we like to quote 27, don't let the sun go down uh, on your anger, right? But here's the context of verse 27. You've got to start in verse 25 because here's the formula, ready? God says, therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. So I just want to walk through those with you quickly. He begins by saying, hey, speak the truth, right? So, so, so Esau uh, sees his brother Jacob. Esau has been greatly hurt by his brother Jacob. And the first thing we just say is like, hey, we need to speak the truth. Like, like, like Jacob is going, hey, I'm sorry. And, and it's okay for Esau to go, yeah, you should be, Right? You should be. Just, just speak the truth. Like, like listen, I'm, I'm really not okay. We, we want to tell everybody that we're okay. We want to say, I'm fine. I'm strong. I'm tough. I'm resilient. No, you're not. No, you're not. Right? Emotionally, it gets to you. This is why we, we have so many problems in our world. So, so, like, speak the truth. And it says, be angry. Right? Be angry. Dude, you hurt me. You were my brother. And, 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 and our father who loved me, who wanted to bless me, you stole that from me, man. Like, we need to talk about it. It says, be angry. But it says, and then, but, and don't sin. So, so I'm not going to repay you with evil. I'm not going to kill you. I want to, part of me. I'm just being honest. But I'm not going to do that, right? It says, be angry and do not sin. Part of do not sin is don't lie. Don't, don't act like, hey, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. Right? Be angry. Do not sin. And it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. This saying, like, listen, we need to address this now. Because it's already been too long. And, and while you've been gone, yes, the Lord has blessed me, and life is good, but I'm just going to tell you, like, the relationship that we should have, we're never going to have if we don't deal with this stuff, and I want to talk to you about it, deal with it sooner than later. And then here's the kicker, here's the why, and can we go full screen on that slide one more second? It says, no, go back, go back, yep, yep, and don't give the devil an opportunity. That's the why, okay? The reason why we have to deal with it is because the devil is present. And the devil is going to take it and make it into something that it doesn't have to be. That it doesn't have to be. And so the second thing I just want you to know is that unresolved conflict can have lasting consequences. Now, back to the main theme of the book of Obadiah, which is the pride of the Edomites, okay? So the, the third thing that we need to know uh, is that God opposes the proud. 
that God opposes the proud, right? And that, that's really what the book of Obadiah is about. God is, is speaking judgment over Edom because of their pride, because they think they're better than Israel, because they didn't step in for their brother. And in fact, they looted uh, their cities while they were hauled off into captivity. And, and they seemingly didn't care. And they thought that they deserved better, even though God had blessed them greatly. And, and listen, what the Bible says about pride is huge, guys. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, resist, that word resist in the New Testament means to range and battle against. I know we thought it meant rage, but it's to range and battle against. Uh, and and that God God, God's going to actively fight against pride, right? Why? Because he's the giver of everything. And pride is, is the ultimately denying who God is and what he's done. And God says, hey, I will put those kind of people in their place. And so what God does to Edom is actually meant to be an example to all prideful nations. And, uh, and prideful nations are full of prideful people. Right? Amen? So therefore, it's an example unto all of us. Right? And so what does it mean when God says, I'm going to fight against you. Well, it means that the all-powerful creator of the universe is going to unleash his power. We also call that his wrath at times against prideful people. Anybody see that as a problem? Right? It's a problem. It's a problem because that's, that's us. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 23, 12. He said, whoever exalts himself is going to be humble. Right? But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And so the answer we begin to see in the words of Jesus, but the threat is still there. Anyone who exalts himself is going to be leveled, is going to be humbled by God. But those that will humble themselves, that will level themselves, will be raised up by God. And so, again, this is bad news and good news all at the same time. It's bad news because we are all prideful people, right? And again, we kind of started, and pride is deceptive. You walked in this morning and go, I ain't proud. I'm a pretty humble dude. I am, right? And then you go back through and you're like, wait a second, hold on. So you're telling me that Esau thought he was the victim and then he thought he deserved better. And you go, you're like, yep, I've been there. Come on, how many of you have been there? Thought you deserved better from somebody. Okay, all the rest of you, God's watching, right? Yeah, come on. We all struggle with this. And that's the thing is we don't, we don't think of ourselves as prideful, but the truth is, when we're alone, when we're by ourselves, there are times that we honestly feel like we deserve better, right? I deserve better. I mean, I, I, some of you have siblings, you're like, I was the one that always listened to mom and did what she wanted, and I was the good kid, and then look at this, and like, those things grow up in us. Those are real. And we got to realize that we struggle with that, and it, it, is, it is such a short distance from feeling like you were the victim to actually taking up pride, man, and it happens so quick. And, and it's not that you're, uh, listen, we're all sinful people. Okay, hear me. But the, the pro, it's not that you, you, you intend to be proud. I don't believe with any ounce of me that Esau intended to be proud, nor did I, do I believe that he intended to create a whole group of people that would see themselves as better than the Israelites. I, I honestly believe wholeheartedly when he said to Jacob, we're good, that he, he wanted to mean that in that moment. But man, the devil, that unresolved conflict, when you don't take care of it right away, will pick and pick and pick until it festers and it becomes a grave 
sin. Which brings me to the last thing, guys. Uh, Because we're proud people, we need to know this, that God has provided a way of escape. That God has provided a way of escape. The absolute best news in the book is not for the nation of Edom, because they are going to be completely destroyed. That's what God says. He says, everyone in Edom is going to be destroyed. However, he makes a promise in verse 17. He says, but there will be a deliverance on Mount Zion, and it will be holy. The house of Jacob will dispossess those that dispossess them. God is promising salvation will come. There will be a way to escape God's wrath. Right? That was the last point. God uh, opposes the proud. God's wrath is coming. And then there's the promise to end the book of Obadiah. There will be a way to escape God's wrath. What is that way? it's It's not a way. It's a person that's the way. That person is Jesus, John 14, 6. He says, I am the way. How, how do we, prideful people who don't even know we're prideful, how do we escape the opposition of God to pride? And the answer is Jesus Christ. He is the way, right? He is the way. Uh, so what do, we, what do we do with the book of Obadiah? That's my thought. When you read the Old Testament, anybody else go, what do I do with this? How do I learn from this? And so I think there are some things that we can learn uh, specifically from this little book because it's packed with some powerful stuff. Number one is I I think we need to humble ourselves before the Lord. This should be a a regular activity for us to humble ourselves before the Lord, right? And so um, I I think kind of as we pray, uh, humility shouldn't be false. It needs to be genuine. And so some things to think through as you pray and you seek to humble yourself before the Lord. Um, Confession, right? Lord, forgive me. I've become proud, right? I have. Right? I, I think I deserve better often, and yet here you bless me with all this stuff, and, and I'm, I'm looking at all these circumstances, and, and like it's just happening to me. God, I didn't even see it happening until you pointed it out by your spirit this morning. And so, God, I just want to confess to you that I am proud. Uh, I have wanted control of my life. I don't want that. Because of that, Lord, I realize I'm in trouble. Right? I, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble in, in relationships in my life. Relationally, you've called me to love others as I love myself. I'm not doing that well. You've told me to love you more than anything else. I'm not doing that well. God, I, I'm in trouble, right? And, and so, God, I'm proud. I'm in trouble. Uh, the third part of that is just, I need help. I need help because I, I didn't even see this in me, but it's there. I need your help, which leads to kind of the final part of that prayer. The ultimate uh, part of humbling ourselves is, God, save me. Lord, save me from me. Save me from the way that I, I don't deal with things properly and I let things pile up and I become proud. And, and I just every area of my life, Lord, if there's pride in me, God, save me from that, please. Basically, I'm saying that humbling yourself before the Lord is, is in essence, accepting the only way out from God's wrath. And His name is Jesus. And if you're here this morning, if you're listening to my voice and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to know that today can be the day of your salvation. You say, I don't know how to do that. Literally what we just prayed, that'll do it. That'll do it. God, I've, I've been proud. I've tried to be in control of my own life. I recognize a great need for you. Come into my life and take control. He will answer that prayer today. He'll do it today. And today the God of the universe can become your father. Right? What a Father's Day present that'd be. All right. Second thing, I think we need to work on resolving conflicts in our life. We've got to work on resolving conflicts in our life. Uh, I realized, and I always knew this, but it came face to face. The Lord was like, pa-pa, deal with that, sucker. 
uh, that I, I hate conflict uh, in, in a lot of areas, which is weird. People on my staff will, will say, well, there's some places that you're, you don't mind conflict, and that's true. Uh, but there are certain things that I'm just like, nope, ain't going to do it. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm just going to believe the Lord's going to work. And uh, in that, what I'm really doing is I'm suppressing personal hurt. And if you suppress that personal hurt long enough, what will happen is, is the other person won't even see it, and, and then you're actually the one that's, that's making it worse. And, and so, guys, we, we have to get to a point where we're willing to just walk out what the Bible says. So I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to be angry and tell people, listen, you've hurt me. This upsets me, right? But I'm not going to sin, right? I'm, I'm not seeking retribution. I'm also not lying about how I feel. Um, but we're going to talk through this. We're going to work through this because... I have a very real enemy that will take this and turn this into something that it's not meant to be. And listen, all of us can fall into this. And, and I think all of us have fallen into this at times. So we've got to be better. Uh, you say, what do I do? There's some great books out there um, for learning how to see it, learning how to address it. I actually went and took a class. Uh, University of Texas um, offers um, classes for people that want to continue education, things like that. And so they've got a class. You can go take a full day workshop on how to deal with conflict. You can figure out what your uh, style of dealing with conflict is. Um, mine would typically be a wait and see. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so I took that class and I was like, oh, I can't do that all the time. That's not healthy. Um, and so sometimes the healthiest thing is just say, hey, we need to talk about this like right now. And uh, so learning who you are, learning how to deal with it is huge. And what I'm telling you, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. It is so important we learn to deal with conflict in a healthy way. Why? Because it can have generational consequence, as it did in the case of Jacob and Esau. All right? Okay, third thing. Learn to relish in your siblings rather than rival them. Learn to relish in your siblings rather than rival them. Relish is not just a delicious topping for your hot dog. Uh, the word relish actually means great enjoyment great enjoyment. What I'm telling you, those of you that have been blessed to have uh, siblings and you still have family left, you've got to do these other things we've talked about because that family is God's gift to you. And God means for you to enjoy them, right? Not, not, not to rival them, not to, not to be, uh, not to compete against them, right? That, that phrase, sibling rivalry, that, that's not something we should be happy about. Like, oh, yeah, man, me and my, we always, like, I mean, it, it's okay to be a little competitive in board games and those kind of things, but, but listen, uh, the people that God has put in your life, your family, you should be their greatest cheerleader, absolutely, all the time. You should always want what's best for them, not look at them and go, well, they're an idiot. You know, I mean, they just are. They're so dumb, and I mean, I, I don't know why mom treated them the way they did. Mom should have treated me that way. I mean, look at me. I've got it all together. Oh, you proud individual. You don't, want, you don't want the army of God opposing you. I'm just saying, like, he'll bring you down. Just saying, God, I'm so thankful I have family left. I'm, I'm going to call them. I'm going to enjoy them. I realize they're going to be all over the map. I'm, I'm, I'm going to soak that in. I'm going to soak that in. That's where we're meant to be. Second greatest commandment in all of Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Probably started in the home you grew up in. Okay? Act like it. Act like it. I think if we could get those relationships healthy, it'd be a lot easier for people to see Jesus in us. All right? Can I pray for us? Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for the word we've received from Obadiah today. Uh, may it bless us. May it teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.